This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgie. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm Will Chambers. To my left, as always, Tyler Walgie. Tyler? If you do it like the reverse world thing and go the other direction, I'm just far to your right. Yeah. I'm on the other side of the room to your right instead of directly to your left. Okay. It's all a matter of perspective, Will. (laughs) (laughs) To my right and very far to my right (laughs) is Tyler. Yeah. Tyler, uh... I think we we got a lot of positive things to talk about, but I yeah. want to start with something sad. Oh I start no! With something sad. I don't like that. I don't like starting on a somber note. Did this you ever is... see the movie Up? No, that's actually one I haven't. What, uh, the rare movie that you've seen that I haven't seen. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Up is a uh, Pixar movie, right? And it's one of the most notorious sad movies in the history of like any. I've heard movie. it's great though. Oh, right? it starts off with a thud. You're crying five minutes in. I always thought that was cheap though. You want to know what's funny is when I did radio. I used to not get that many calls. I was on a small station in Greeley. We didn't get that many callers. And I did a sports show. I never got more phone calls than when I said I didn't like the movie Up on the air. People called mad at me, really mad, defending the movie, defending why I didn't like it. Because I said it was cheap. They get cheap cries. They try and hook you from the beginning. It's nonsense. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're starting off on a sad note like that, I guess. Here's This is the saddest thing in the whole world, I think. Oh, no. Okay. We're halfway through the college football season, Tyler. Oh, we are. That is, that is. Isn't that sad? It feels like week one was like just the other day, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Sucks. Like it's the, it's the fastest sports season. It always goes by. It happens every year. It goes by in a blink. And I just, it's such a bummer that uh, like at least they added the second bye week this year. So the technically we get 15 weeks of football when you include the conference championship uh, week before bowls but we're halfway through already which is just insane i was going back today listening to some of the earlier shows uh we'll talk about it later on in the show because we had to track our bets up to this point in the season and so it was kind of cool i got to go back and listen to our bets at the very very beginning of the year and on the first podcast you said that you know you get to the bowl games and it reminds you of the end of the season yeah and these 12 games are so fun and so important that it the is. Best. I know. So that is kind of depressing. Well, you're getting me a little sad here. I know. I'm sorry about that. We should have had like some sad music queued up or something. So. We should. Yeah, you should. Uh, <laughs> I don't have anything sad on this keyboard. Maybe, maybe we can get something. Well, right we're now. mostly like a positive uh, podcast, I think. But there we go. Yep. I hate to break it to all the uh, all the listeners out there, the college football weeklies, the weeklies you could call them. Oh, I like that. All of you weeklies out there. We're halfway through. We're halfway done. The hourglass. The sand is slowly draining away on our beloved college football season. So pour one out. Pour one out for college football. And uh, just cherish these last few Saturdays that we have. You know, you really got to cherish them. This Some, is nice. Yeah. Yeah, this is this yeah. is touching. It's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a funeral. <laughs> well, for my CU buffs, that's kind of how this season feels at this point in the, yeah. in the year. I think that's how half the fan bases feel at this point, right? Yeah. The expectation sure. it's so funny how the expectations for every team before the year, everyone's O and O. The optimism is thriving. A new coach, new quarterback, whatever it is. And then at this point in the year, there's always next some, year. Some shattered dreams. Hey, for always sure. next year, Will. Yep. Well, uh, week seven was awesome, and uh, I went to the Red River rivalry yeah, game. Yeah, how was that? You, oh, it so was for awesome. those who don't know, Will 
biggest college football fan I know. He eats, breathes, sleeps college football. Every year, Will does a college football trip somewhere in the country to go to a different... You usually try and make it rivalry games, don't you? Yeah, I mean, or just like just any big, big college game in general. Game. Whatever, whatever big game I can make my way to, I always try to go. And this year, Will went to the Red River rivalry. Yeah, so that's it pretty was cool. awesome. Uh, honestly. How was it? It was so much fun. So it was my first time to Dallas also, and that was really fun. I got to visit a ton of family down there. Um, the game was awesome. So it's in the Cotton Bowl where it's been now, I think, for like the last like 80 years. It's been there for a long time. Fun and fact, they play the Cotton Bowl at the uh, Cotton Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you interesting. knew that. Yeah. Interesting that. Um, yeah, but it's cool because I've, you know, for the most part, most rivalry games aren't played at a neutral site. So it adds a really interesting wrinkle. First of all, the stadium looks awesome when it's split like perfectly down the I middle. Bet, yeah. Half, half, you know, maroon or whatever. I, I shouldn't mess this up. If I mess up what <laughs> Oklahoma's official color is, you know, I can't just say red. Oh, oh it's cardinal. That's what it is. Is they're, it? Yeah, they're cardinal. Okay. So half of it cardinal and half burnt orange. And so that's really cool to see. And you'd kind of expect that it's not as loud because of that because you can't ever have the whole stadium cheering at once. And uh, what do we got here? Crimson. Oh, it's Crimson and okay. Cream. I'm I, sorry, Sooner fans. <laughs> it's not Cardinal. Cardinal, that's that's the uh, that's Stanford. Okay. Uh, Crimson and Cream. Crimson my and my cream. apologies to all the Boomer Sooners out there. <laughs> Who were you cheering for? Uh, well, okay, so I was in the Oklahoma section. I was there. My dad is a big Oklahoma fan. That's who I went with. Big shout-out to Jay Penn, who, who gave us the tickets. And uh, so... I honestly, what I was rooting for was just a good game. I didn't want it to be a blowout. I wanted it to be entertaining, and I got that. Um, now, when you're in the Oklahoma section, it's hard to not kind of cheer along right. when everyone's going nuts around you. But there was definitely once Oklahoma got up at that point. I think like I was quietly cheering for Texas to just get back in the game. <laughs> That's what I wanted, and it's surprisingly loud. Like when you're so we were right kind of in the uh, in the end zone for the Oklahoma section, a little bit in, kind of towards the corner about 15 rows up, and uh, really loud. I mean, there were some moments when Oklahoma made some big defensive plays when it was so loud, like like you, you just couldn't imagine it. And for it to only be half the stadium yelling at once, it was really impressive. So that was super cool, and the game was, was really entertaining. Uh, surprisingly, it was only 10-3 at halftime, which I don't think yeah. anybody in the world would have yeah. expected. And I thought that Oklahoma's defensive game plan was awesome. I mean, they kept... Sam Ellinger from I think that was the first time he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in any of his games that he started. Uh, zero passing touchdowns for Ellinger. Uh, you know Texas was able to run the ball fairly well, but they just couldn't protect him. I think there were nine total sacks. Wow, yeah, for they Oklahoma him pretty well, yeah. And so it was a really interesting game to see uh, Jalen Hurts in person, man. And same thing with C.D. Lamb. It was impressive. I bet C.D. Lamb looked good that game, yeah, man. I mean, those he, guys tore it up. Yeah, you, you you look at I mean C.D. Lamb especially guys that obviously are going to translate to the next level. Yeah. You can just picture him in the NFL making plays. He's quick. He's oh, got yeah. the ball in his hand for he sure. Just does a lot of things, and that's the thing. It, watching it on TV, it was frustrating because Texas. It seemed like that a lot of missed tackles, but it's kind yeah. of excusable because they're he. I mean, he's so slippery out there. Right, like there were a couple that kept showing highlights of afterwards, and like a couple of them were kind of bad, but the other ones, it's like. Like the, I remember they show one where there were like four Texas defenders uh, right around him, and it's like, well, what do you want? Like, are all those guys <laughs> just supposed to run towards the middle and like crack heads with each other? Like he, you're, like you said, he's just slippery. And so I think it was probably a little bit that they weren't tackling well, and also a little bit that Ceedee Lamb is just awesome. And same thing with, J I mean, Jalen Hurts was juking guys out of his shoes. Did you see that play yes. where he 
pass the ball behind his back while a guy was trying I to did sack see him that. and then yep. he escaped. Yep. It looked like Found he was going to strip it too. I know. Uh, Incredible. And like, honestly, hats off to Texas because when you consider that they couldn't protect Ellinger all game, there were zero passing touchdowns. For them to keep it close and within one score, was I was honestly impressed. Their defense actually played really well in the first half against Oklahoma. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they covered the spread, which is big time. But yeah, right. they, they, they kept it close and, and, and that showed a lot to me. These teams are clearly, to me, above everyone else in the Big 12. I mean, I think that we knew that going in, but the defense is the main theme. Because yeah. what we've known for the last couple of years, you know, maybe even like up to the last decade, is Big 12 football, not a whole lot of defense yeah. going on there, right? Yeah. Teams who who get out of the Big 12 usually great offensively, and both defenses were definitely the story. Last week, you and I had a question or had a discussion about uh, uh, Lincoln Riley, and is it the quarterback? Is it Lincoln Riley? I saw multiple times this game, and I haven't watched that much OU football. Right. But do you know if there's a rule? Because you know the NFL. They cut off the communication between the coach and the quarterback with 15 seconds left on the play clock. Right. I don't. Do they do that in college? Do you know? I don't know. I don't think in college that they have headsets in their helmets. I think it's all done. Really? Okay. Well, then never. Then what? I think then it's I'm all s- done through signals. I could okay. be. I could be. To- that's a really interesting question. I could be so wrong about this, but I always thought that in college they didn't have the headsets in their helmets and that everything was done through signals. Maybe You're, I'm wrong. No. You know what? Now that I because I've seen when there's a two quarterback system or things like that, I've seen like like Gus Malzahn will often give the quarterback the play and right. send them in with things like that. Yeah. If they don't have microphones in their in their helmets, then this is moot, all right? And are you going to look that up right now? Yeah, I'm looking okay. it up right so, now. But here's the thing is, is I noticed multiple times during the game, Lincoln Riley would be talking into that headset as the play clock was going down from 15 to 10. And, and I thought he was maybe letting Jalen Hurts know, look at, you know, I, I, I felt like his lips said, you know, CD, 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 you know, right. and he go, look, CD, look, CD. It was the touchdown pass, a quick uh, out. Interesting. He, threw him. he again, could have been saying it to his coordinator. Exactly. He could have been yeah. said, oh, he's, I hope he's looking CD. I hope he's looking CD. Yeah, he may not have been saying it to, to Jalen Hurts, but I don't know if they do have microphones and there isn't a cutoff time. That would be interesting. Because so I, mean, I just Googled it and it's not the easiest you know, I, I didn't quite know how to word this exactly when I Googled it. I just said, can college quarterbacks communicate with, via headset? And I, the first thing that popped up was a story from 2016 that says, is helmet communication coming to college football? So that would lean, that would make me probably not believe that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it is. I think that's why you have guys signaling on the sideline so much is that they don't. A lot like uh, those option teams would always r- sub a guy in with the play. Right. And they have like the big cards right. they hold up things like right. that yeah you're probably right so yeah never mind what i said yeah. there it looked like he was talking but you're right he probably a coordinator right or something like that and there has to be constant communication yeah um, i think it's pretty cool that you know now in 2019 how football's gotten so cerebral and so For strategic sure. it's really oh, cool yeah. all that stuff how during the game the adjustments and all that so yeah and it seemed like texas also was doing a really good job of taking away some of the reads for Jalen Hurts like there were so many times in the game where in a on a passing play he would look and his first read was taken away and then he would just scramble and then he killed them with his legs I think he ran for like almost 160 yards on the ground I think it was a record for most uh rushing yards by a quarterback in that game really in the Red River rivalry game so um last week you uh you mentioned fried stuff did you have a whole lot yeah so that's what I was going to get to next (laughs) so the the cotton bowl is is just right there in the in the heart of the uh, Texas State Fairgrounds. so And it's that weekend, and I think for the previous week, too, they've been doing the Texas State Fair. So it's a zoo, by the way. 
Like, you know, there's 80,000 people in the stadium. There's probably another 100,000 people out in the fairgrounds. I mean, it's crazy. And so it, it was really cool. Anyone that is planning on going to this game in the future, I know we have some Oklahoma and Texas listeners. If you are planning on going to that, just plan on getting there early and plan on not being able to get out very quickly because once <laughs> once the game ended, everyone's funneling out and you're you're going into a fairground that's already crowded with a ton of people. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was crazy. And so, but yes, I did. I got like, I got some deep fried pecan pie that was delicious. Deep fried pecan yep, pie. Deep fried uh, wow. cheesecake. I mean, <laughs> oh, everything. The, the one thing I wasn't able to get, and I, I'm ashamed to admit it, because apparently, like the most popular thing there, the Texas State Fair, are these these corn dogs. They're called like Fletcher's corn dogs, and apparently, they're like the best corn dogs ever. And I w- I was trying to go get in line for one. But I'm not even kidding. Like there were there were so many people in this one narrow kind of alley where a lot of these food uh, like food stations were that I couldn't even move. Like at one point, oh basically what you had is you had a crowd of you had a crowd of two different giant crowds of people going opposite ways down like a a narrow alleyway, and like in the middle, no one was moving. Like I <laughs> I was kind of like worming my way through people through the crowd a little bit and then you just couldn't even move anymore and i was like wow i don't think i'm even gonna be able to get to the corn dog station so i didn't get the fletcher's corn dog very shame to admit it and like all my family down there were like you gotta get a fletcher's corn dog <laughs> and i still couldn't get it but i got some other delicious food it was really cool and the other <laughs> the only other really thing of note i have from this game and i think you know we can probably talk about stadium etiquette all wrapped up in this and so this is a very heated rivalry and like any oh, big yeah. rivalry, you know, look, I had, there were people around us. Like, I love the guys that are just such hardcore fans of their team that like in their minds, like nothing their team does is wrong and everything the other team does <laughs> is horrible. Like there was a guy behind us that they'd be showing a replay on like a, there was one where uh, it looked like Oklahoma might've scored a touchdown, but the ball clearly hit the, hit the ground. And he, this guy was just like, no, it didn't. It's like everyone's looking at the at the jumbotron at, at the at the big TV screen. It's like it clearly hit the ground. And that guy was like, bullshit, you know, like yelling and screaming. But that's to be expected. And the other thing is that so, uh, really cool. The whole stadium was standing up the whole game. I mean, the lower bowl, the upper bowl. Ever you look around, no, almost no one is sitting down. And that caused some problems for people. There were people in my section, like my aunt who I was with, she really couldn't see the game for the most part because the people, we were about 15 rows up and everyone in front of us was standing, but they were all standing on the actual bleachers. They weren't just standing on the ground where their seat was, right? They, they took a step back onto their bleachers. And, my, and so my aunt really couldn't see much during the game. I felt really bad for her. And there were people right next to us that had the same thing. They were There was like a family to the right of us and they were all just kind of shorter and didn't want to stand on the bleachers or whatever. And like some of them even just literally the the big screen was right behind us. They just turned around and watched the game on the screen behind us the whole way, the whole game. Really? And, and so some of these people were complaining to the people in front of us that were standing up. And I get it, like that sucks, but guess what? Like that's kind of that's part of the deal when you go to a sporting event. You know, you buy a ticket you don't know, you don't get to choose who's around you. You know, there might be obnoxious people next to you. It could be drunk people. People could be standing up in front of you. That's kind of part of the deal. And they were asking the people in front of us to sit down. And they were like, well, everyone in front of us is standing up. What do you expect us to do? So that was kind of a bummer. But then, so <laughs> there, I, there was a group of what I suspect were like sorority girls from <laughs> they were Oklahoma fans about two rows in front of us. And they were standing up. And luckily, you know, I'm I'm like six foot one. It wasn't hard. I, I was standing up 
just on the ground, not on, on my seat, and I could see the game just fine. But, uh, you know, they were blocking the view for people around us, right? Because they were on the bleachers? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were on the bleachers. And so the people around us, you know, snide comments here and there, that, like sometimes jokingly asking them to sit down, sometimes complaining out loud. But the girls were just like, whatever, we're going to ignore them. And uh, and then at halftime, so at halftime before the whole all the teams come out, this is pretty standard for all the teams for, come out. Yeah, like before the teams come back oh, out oh, onto the field. Okay, uh, the kickers usually come out and get some warm up, right? And so, like I said before, we're in the end zone, just a little bit towards the corner. Oh no! And <laughs> and so the kickers are warming up, and I don't know if it was a Texas or an OU kicker, but they were kicking towards us. And on like the second or third practice field goal, the kicker goes wide left. This ball comes screaming in over the net. People around us are like, oh, we start to see it. And one of these poor sorority girls is not paying attention and gets blasted in the head. The ball comes in, just gets her right on top of the head. And it looked, I felt bad for her. Uh, (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. So honestly, so I'm not going to lie. I laughed when it happened. But uh, I ended up feeling bad for it. It looked like it hurt. They inflate those balls like as, as much as possible. It looked like it hurt oh, really God. bad. She didn't see it coming at all. And you could tell it really hurt her because she was kind of like down and out for a few minutes. She was crying. And she stayed for the game. You know, uh, good for her. She was tough. But one of the guys that, that, was, that she was blocking the view by standing up yeah. yells out, That's karma. No, and, they get <laughs> and that's and that started like a bit of like a scuffle almost like not didn't it didn't get physical but the girls then turn around and were like that was so mean you shouldn't say that blah 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 how how mean of you and then that guy and his wife were like oh oh it hit you in the head we're so sorry being all sarcastic well <laughs> all the girls kind of ganged up on that guy and his wife and they and the. The guy and his wife, the guy who said the mean comment, ended up like leaving and didn't come back. Oh, geez. And so, but I did feel bad for that girl. I mean, she got, she got blasted. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It was, yeah. And I, 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 when I saw it coming, I was like, oh my god, I could catch this. I could take a football home. Look, look the thing is, once one group stands on the bleachers, right. It kind of messes things up for everyone else around, and it's 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 strange because there's different rules at different stadiums for different games, right? Like. And I'm assuming maybe these girls went to the college or had recently graduated or they something like, like that. They looked like they were students. Yeah, they, they, were, like, they, yeah. they looked like and, they were. And the student etiquette, you know, I know, yeah, is man. you stand, stand on the bleachers. Up, and and it's usually you're standing on the bleachers. Right. That's sort of normal, right. common. And so when you go in a a rivalry game like that where it is neutral field, there may not be, was there student sections I think there. I think there was, but it was to the side of us. And then maybe they allotted these seats for students too because most people in front of us did seem like a younger crowd and the people behind us not so and, much. And a lot of times they'll have bleed over sections to where right. it can be a student section, things right. like that. And, and you have a collision of rules and a collision of etiquette and a yeah. collision of, that's honestly what I like. I know a lot of the listeners may hate me for this, but I like about soccer is if you go to soccer, they have designated areas. So like usually the rowdy ones are the ones behind the goals. If you're going to sit and, and sit down and watch, it's more along the midfield or right. things like that. So, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, but, but, but again, this was your first game for the Texas Oklahoma rivalry. Maybe that's common there. You don't know. Do you, did you ask anyone around? Is this normal? Is this what? No, you I mean, guys I, my do? guess is it's normal because like literally the entire stadium. You look around. Like at first it was like, oh, these people are standing. That's kind of mean. And then you look around. The whole place is standing up. The whole game. Almost no one is sitting down unless they're you know the people in the front row of the second level could sit down because no one's in front of them. Right. But literally everyone else is standing up. Everyone's so into it. And I think that part of it too is just that. 
you know, when you do a, a neutral site for, I mean, look, Texas and Oklahoma are two of the biggest football programs. They have a ton of fans. And so now you're talking about an 80,000 seat stadium and you can only sell 40,000 to each team. Right. So that naturally is going to give you most likely even more numbers of just crazy fans that are willing to pay that much or make sure they get tickets to that game. So I think everyone there is a really hardcore fan. And that's just kind of the way it goes, you know. I mean, it's I've, tough though. Yeah, like I always try and be sure because, especially when I go to CU games, I'll admit, like it's it's tough. I have to be really conscientious and not make it, you know, <laughs> I've, I've not seen make an ass out of myself. No, but, but like, you get into it. You're I wild. Re- I, I yeah. do, but I still really try and look right. And, and my season tickets, CU games, it's in the the you know the alumni section. So I am around a lot of older people at times, and I always always take inventory. I look around, see who's around me. And I, I'm always gonna be a little bit louder when the de- sure. when our defense is on the field, and I'm gonna be a football fan. But there's no doubt about it. When I go to the rivalry game, CUCSU, and I'm I sometimes go to the student section or around there. It's a lot different than yeah. being home game in that atmosphere. So it, it, it you know, I, sometimes in life, you know, you, you're driving behind a jerk on the road. You're sitting behind a jerk at 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 the game. Yeah. Sometimes you, you get a job where they put you in a cubicle next to you know some things you can can handle in some or can can control in life and some things you can't but that's that's a tough one because everyone does kind of have a different idea i'm sure your aunt had an idea of what would be a good right game setting right. you had an idea and it's all different spectrums yeah but it's just kind of the way it goes i yeah, mean yeah that, that's the way it goes when you go to any sporting event you don't know who's gonna be sitting around you you don't get to choose your seat most of the time I think we can we, we we can sum everything up with hey folks out there just be a nice person everywhere you go yeah i think for if, sure. if, be if, kind. If, yeah be, be nice if you see like a young girl be. get blasted in the head with a football maybe don't make fun of her right <laughs> Right don't, after don't, start, don't start uh, applauding that one. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it was awesome. So I highly recommend the Red River rivalry, rivalry to anyone that's a college football fan, especially if you're an Oklahoma or Texas fan that's never been, go. I mean, it's a great experience. That one was towards the top of my college football bucket list, and I'm glad that I got to go. And uh, I'm sure I'll be back one day too, so that won't I'm be my sure last time. sure I'll be back one day. <laughs> There you go, Will. So the rest of week seven, Tyler. Yes. So unfortunately, because I was there, uh, I didn't get to see some of these other games. You know, that's kind of the funny game you play when you go to a culture ball game. It's always funny because I'm, you know, I call it my command center, my living room, and I always have at least three screens going during culture ball Saturdays. And so when you go to a, when I go to a game, I always see it as, well, I'm going to see one in person, but I'm going to miss at least three right. <laughs> All right. and so some of these games i didn't get to see but i got to watch replays or highlights of but uh totally worth it though so yeah, what do you want to go over uh so let's start with the uh man you want to do you want to do you have anything to say about your buffaloes against oregon i mean it was terrible this spread in that game was 21 points meaning yeah. the expectation in vegas is was 21 and that's actually a, a kind of a good way to look at the spread as a lot of people think the spread's confusing and it's so hard to get a hold of if you understand what the spread means it's a very good definition of what's the expectation what should we expect this game right and when you cover the spread you exceed expectation when you don't you're obviously falling behind three touchdowns was a lot of points and for CU to come out and lose by 42 it was atrocious they quit in the second half yeah I didn't like the play calling it was bad all the way around so we can move on from that game. okay cool yeah <laughs> Oregon's defense is tough man I people I think when they talk about Oregon and they picture it they think oh it's an offensive juggernaut like it used to be I actually think their defense is better than their offense personally no, you're, you're right um, yeah it's a very different year this year for him. So how about that Virginia Miami game? Miami, yeah, with yeah. that. So the spread was one point, and it was looking like that. It was nine to ten there, and, <laughs> and at the last second, Miami 
they uh, they get you know bad beat depending on which side you're on. They get a late touchdown, so they beat Virginia seventeen nine. And you and I were both on Virginia there, but it's funny because I remember mentioning in the handicap last week is that all of the S and P and all the rating systems still had Miami ranked higher than Virginia. And I feel like it's just one of those examples where you get a team that's underperforming but is filled with you know four and five star recruiting talent versus a team that's well coached and maybe overperforming their talent level and this is what can happen yeah and, and and the thing is i think this happens to everybody when you start winning money with a team it becomes easier to get back on them right i liked virginia this year from the get-go and i think i just bought two into the virginia hype i mean i, I think in a couple years once Brent bronco mendenhall can bring some different players to virginia start building in the acc they'll be good but bryce perkins he's a good runner maybe i had him a little bit overrated as a quarterback yeah miami's not i don't think miami's that good of a team so i, I, think, I don't think they're very good at all yeah, i think this was pretty telling not so much for miami but virginia i yeah. expected more out of them this game yeah uh how about alabama number one so they actually cover against a&m we were both a little worried, hesitant to, to go either way, and I think both of us avoided picking that game. But they do get, they do cover. They beat Texas A&M. You know, look, Texas A&M. I think everyone agrees they're a good team, but they're now three and three. And you look at the rest of their schedule. I think that they're in danger of going six and six, seven and five, something like that. And I, uh, I think actually, I want to say that I picked them to go under their season win total of uh, who's of eight games. Texas A&M, um, just because okay. their schedule's so tough. I think they're a really good team. And, you know, 47-28 is not that bad when you're considering it's Alabama, to be honest with you, but still really impressive. Tua uh, threw four touchdowns. When you're talking about on the road at Texas A&M, it's a tough environment. Alabama's just, you know, look, they're Bama. They're so good. You have to almost, and there's no feeling bad for teams in sports. I right. understand that. But you look at A&M's schedule this year, it's just like, God. It's brutal, man. It's, it's so brutal. tough. Yeah, you for a team to be in the SEC uh, West, first of all, Clemson. and then they play Clemson <laughs> non-conference. Yeah, really tough schedule. No kidding. So you almost, I mean, again, you don't, yeah, yeah, it's hard to say. I feel bad for them, you know, but that's why they have Jimbo Fisher. They're, you, you just expect them to have next season when that schedule gets lighter. Right. That's when I think they exceed expectation, but it's just so tough this year. You look at who, they, who they've played. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind if they still stayed in the top 25 after that loss. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're three and three. I think you could definitely make the argument, but it's going to be tough when there's teams that are, you know, they're fighting for that spot who are four and two and they're now three and three and they might end up, you know, getting only six or seven wins. Doesn't right. mean that they're not you know, one of the 25 best teams. But unfortunately, your record has to go into that ranking. But uh, yeah, you mentioned Clemson. They're finally starting to look like Clemson again. You know, what, what we imagine they would be before the season. Trevor Lawrence had had a great game. He threw four touched, four, had four total touchdowns. And, you know, he kind of had a slow start. He was really struggling early. Now maybe Clemson's hitting their stride. They beat Florida State 45-14. Yeah, I mean Florida State. I don't, I don't like them at all. I like uh, Clemson. Just keeps on rolling. I expected this one. Yeah, one of the best names in college football, Tamorion Terry from Florida State. Tamorion, love Tamorion Terry. You remember that? Uh, did you ever see that Key and Peel bit with the East West? I uh, did. Yeah, college game. That sounds like <laughs> a did. name they would make up, Tamorion Terry. <laughs> Tamorion Terry. <laughs> it sounds like a made up. That's name. great. And then the best is at the very end, Dan Smith, BYU. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. How about? Georgia, South Carolina beats Georgia twenty to seventeen. Uh oh, bet board. Double. I know. So on the bet board, this is from our season preview episode. If you if you uh, didn't hear it, we did a couple season win totals where Tyler and I disagreed. Georgia eleven wins. I went over because I saw them as going undefeated, and it's regular season only, by the way. Yeah. Uh, technically, I think we're still likely to get a push here. Oh yeah, I, definitely a push. You option. know, if they they may lose another one, I'm not sure. This kind of felt more like a 
game where Georgia came out flat and didn't fe- and they felt like oh this is South Carolina we can roll them over and then South Carolina got a little lucky Georgia missed two field goals one that would have won it for Georgia another one that would have tied it and sent it to triple overtime I think and so South Carolina kind of needing all the luck to beat Georgia but still Bulldogs come out super flat. hundred percent. This was South Carolina seizing an opportunity. Georgia shot themselves in the foot over and over. And as a matter right. of fact, you look at the score, it was 17-10 at halftime. They shut Georgia, or excuse me, Georgia shut South Carolina out in the second half. Right. South Carolina didn't have a point in the second half until overtime where they got a field goal. Yeah. So this was completely Georgia blowing an opportunity, shooting right. themselves in the foot, stupid turnovers. Yeah. They have to be frustrated. All Georgia fans out there, that was your, uh, not your shot, but now you're going to need so many things to go right. You have to, you know, there's there's no room for error now. So that was a bad game by Georgia. That's yeah. all on Georgia. I don't put a whole lot of that on South Carolina. I don't look at a game like that and say, uh-oh, Will Muschamp, does he have the team playing well? Yeah. That, that was all Georgia to me. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because in his post-game interview, he's like, this is all about the seniors and how hard they worked. It's like, well, you scored 13 points, seven of which was <laughs> a pick six that, that Fromm threw. So I agree. And, and for Georgia to do that at home, that's bad. Yep. Look, I still – Georgia's – you know, they're clearly just still in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny because all they have to do now is beat Florida, win the SEC East – and then they have a chance at Bama or well, LSU. That's, it. that's to all win. they have to do. Well, well, just to get to <laughs> the SEC know. championship game, and then if they beat Alabama or LSU, then they're in the playoff for sure. So this loss doesn't really mean it. This kind of reminds me of one of those Clem- when Clemson would lose to Pitt or whatever early in the season and then make the playoff. You know, it seemed like they just weren't up for it. They didn't. They weren't playing their best because obviously if Georgia's playing their best, they're going to hammer South but, Carolina. But, but it wasn't just the players coming out flat. I didn't like the game plan. Yeah. Jake Fromm threw the ball 51 times. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But you you got to run that. the ball, yeah, especially exactly. with their running backs and their offensive line. Yeah, I think I think that one is on the staff, the players. Everybody came out flat for Georgia this weekend and uh, we're going to see what happens now. But, but at this point, I think the whole idea of two SEC teams goes way well. Maybe LSU they fill in the, that Dude. gap, don't yeah, they? Man. They looked good. Should we get onto that game? Yeah, that was. I was just gonna say that we'll stick in the SEC. It just means more down there, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll toss a little treat to all you SEC fans there. Uh, Florida goes on the road at Death Valley night game. We both picked LSU and they covered. It was thirteen and a half. They win by fourteen. And look, I feel like for the last few weeks I've been beating up on Florida, saying they're frauds and they were the worst undefeated team in the power five <laughs> and i actually they, then they lose and i'm i actually came away impressed look they were it was tied at halftime and lsu pulled away but florida look man they played i think lsu is right now one of the four best teams in the country for sure they're really good and florida played them really tough there for a while there's a theme this year to some of these elite teams that haven't quite been elite before and the theme is they've added something to not make them one-dimensional anymore. LSU, and, and actually it's the same thing. It's adding the passing game. Right. LSU. Now they have this other element to their offense, and I think the same is true for Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, they've looked and added this passing game to their offense. These two teams, LSU, Wisconsin, have now kind of risen into that Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State territory because they're complete on offense. So I think LSU falls right into that category. For sure. The reason they were able to pull away and do so well, Joe Burrow, who's looked really good this year. But I never heard of this. Joe Mayo. <laughs> frankly, it sounds made up. You know, every time I think of Joe Burrow, I think Joe Mayo. Joe Mayo. Classic Seinfeld yeah, Exactly. But it's a great name. I love Joe Burrow. He had another good game. And, and again, the difference to me is that LSU, and this isn't anything new. I mean, everyone's known this since they bring in the passing coordinator, so on and so forth, but it's proving itself to be true, right? There are certain teams who make adjustments, and it takes a while to... to, to 
come to fruition. And then LSU, they plug and play this year with this new system, and it's doing wonders for them. So yeah, man, I was impressed. I agree, I was imp- impressed with Florida, but I mean LSU is just next level. Yeah, they, they really are. Like like I I can't wait for that LSU Alabama game because right now. Like I guess I just lean Alabama just based on past history, but I these teams feel super. You know, I think I think that Bama's defense is is definitely better than LSU's. They've definitely given up a lot less points, but there's something about this Joe Burrow offense with all the wide receivers they have, they the studs they have there. I feel like every time they go out there, they're going to score. Yeah. But, so when it comes like to that, right? When we're looking ahead to the LSU Alabama game, I start going through my head doing the check marks. Who has the advantage here? Here, I. I think we can assume, I hope we can assume, that Alabama and LSU are pretty similar across the board, right? There's right. not right. that big of an advantage when you look at receivers, defensive backs matchup, offensive line, defensive line. So I think the one main difference with LSU and Alabama does come down to coaching. And I know I've said that I was wrong in the past about uh, Ed Orgeron, and I do trust him in these situations, but it's another level to go Nick Saban, right? right. And, and, yeah. and be on that level. So, Come on now, Tyler. <laughs> so I have to give the slight edge to Alabama right now because all things equal, I've still got Nick Saban on my side. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, look, it's not, you're not, uh, you're not taking a shit on Coach O by saying he's not as good as Nick Saban. Yeah, right. You can say that about pretty much every coach. So, um, yeah, LSU, though, super impressive. Oh, I just had an idea. What? You know how Wendy's does the Baconator? They should yes. do a promotion in Alabama, the Sabinator. The Sabinator? <laughs> yeah. Could make it a... What would be on the Sabinator? I don't know. Maybe You know like what it a, would be? I know exactly what it would be. The Sabinator would be a burger that instead of buns, it's oatmeal cream pies, because that's what he has for breakfast every day. He said it in interviews. He has the same thing every morning. He has two oatmeal cream pies. No, he doesn't. That, yeah. He has coffee and two oatmeal cream pies that Miss Terry... I'm sure provides for him. His wife, who's always Miss Terry, she's never. It's never Mrs. Sabin. Miss Terry. Miss Terry. <laughs> and that's his burger would be a normal burger, but with oatmeal cream pies instead of buns. Well, you're you've got this down, I guess. The chef. Honestly, I could, it might not be that bad. Yeah. After trying deep fried pecan pie, uh, I feel like you could deep fry anything and it'd be good. Are they like the little Debbies? Uh, yeah, like the oatmeal cream pies. Like Same those, those little like Debbies. Those. That's what he has for breakfast every day. He never changes it up. Yeah, you ever uh, eat Drake's coffee cake? <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the superstore. They have their own. They have their own thing in the. Uh, what is it? They have their own thing at the end of the aisle. They have their own. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. I forget what it is. They have their own case <laughs> at the end of the that's aisle. That's right. Yeah. Drake's coffee cake. <laughs> oh, the Seinfeld references are rolling out there today, folks. Yeah, we love it. Uh. We love it. Um, yeah, we talked about Oklahoma, Texas. Final score was thirty-four twenty-seven. By the way, Texas does get the cover. Now moving on to another. You mentioned them, kind of in that top tier. I'm still a little bit question. Uh, I'm still a little bit skeptical that they are for sure in that top tier. But Wisconsin destroys Michigan State 38 to nothing. And you and I made this a bet board game. And Tyler, you made me give you a half point. The point, the points, <laughs> the point spread was ten, and it's a good thing I gave you that half point because otherwise, oh wait, never mind. Thirty-eight to nothing. Don't act like I was demanding anything over here. For those that can't see, I have a gun to his head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, I'm impressed. And look, Michigan State's defense has been so disappointing for what everyone expected with the talent they were bringing back from last year, but their offense is just horrific. I mean, they can't for them to score no points. I think they had. Only 20 yards rushing, uh, and they had like 150 total yards in the game. Wisconsin's defense completely shut them down. Mark D'Antonio looks dejected, in the, and the and like I saw a reporter ask him after the game, "Is it fair?" So what happened is last year their offense was terrible, and they didn't bring in anyone new on the offensive staff. Instead, what he did, a lot of people called it 
rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. He just moved everyone around. Tight ends coach became quarterbacks coach. Quarterbacks coach became wide receivers coach. Yeah, he just shuffled his entire offensive staff. And you know, people have said in the past that his one, you know, a big fault of his is he's he's loyal to a to a fault with his guys. And I, don't, I, I think he didn't want to fire anyone. So after the game, a reporter, a Michigan State reporter, asked him, "Is it fair to criticize that you didn't bring anyone new in?" on the offensive staff and he got super defensive and was like, that's a bullshit question. I'm not going to answer that until the season's over. And it's like, well, I think we can answer it now, Mark. Your offense still sucks. Uh, despite the fact that you returned a bunch of starters, nothing has changed. I know that he's like a God there in East Lansing for, you know, like he's, he brought that Michigan state program from nothing into like a really, I mean, he took him to the playoff. How long has he been there for? This is like his 11th or 12th season. It's been a while. Um, and I mean, look, he's going to have a statue there one day. That's I, I definitely believe that. But I think he's now below 500 in in Big Ten games the last three seasons and and this one combined. And I I, I just wonder how long if he's just one of those guys where he's going to have basically, you know, he can stay as long as he wants, or I, almost is he going to get on the hot seat? I mean, they were ranked I think in the top 10 preseason or top 15. They're now four and three. With some really bad losses, uh, I don't know. I wonder how long he's going to be able to to keep his job there. I don't know enough about the the community in East Lansing. What they're saying about you know a lot of that is the pressure that the fans, and the right. alumni, and boosters right. will put on that on on the athletic director and things like that. So I mean, is there you know a a call for that? Is there been rumblings about that? I think that? there's some. I think most people there are still just loyal to him for they, what they he's done. They don't seem like a school like USC or no, Michigan. No, it's not nearly Tech, the same. Where, 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 where there would be an immediate need to do something quickly, right. right, and to get someone in. Right. Yeah. I mean, if this was Harbaugh, he'd be fired already. But uh, but you're right. I mean, I, I do think that some of them are just kind of starting to get tired of it, uh, and it's you know it's it's his own doing because he built them into a program that expects to win a lot of games. Right. But now he's not doing it, and so, you know, will in the offseason, will he bring someone new in on the offense? I don't know. So it'll you, be interesting to watch. You mentioned that you're still not sold on Wisconsin. I I think I've been on the Wisconsin train for like the last three weeks. Yeah, or so. you're, you've been all over them. I I can't, I'm I'm looking at their schedule right now, and I don't understand. I I think the problem that you have with Wisconsin. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is it's their logo. It's it's the, the <laughs> fact that it's Wisconsin and that you look at Wisconsin because I feel like if they're wearing different jerseys and we don't have in our heads their Wisconsin, they, the, the most they've allowed, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the most they've allowed all year is 15 points against Northwestern. Right. And I think that that game, you can't get that game out of your head. The, the Northwestern game, 24-15, that's so stuck because Northwestern's not that good this year in the style mismatch and, and that kind of game would lead you, a lot of people to say, Look, if Wisconsin can only beat them by nine points, how good are they really? But then you look at the Michigan game. You knew more about that. You know Michigan. You kind of called that, but still, 35-14. They beat USF in, in, in Central Michigan. Not very good nothing, teams. Right? Yeah, 49 nothing and 61 nothing. They yeah. beat Kent, 48 nothing. They beat Michigan State, 38 nothing. I mean, four of their four six games. Four shutouts. Are, yeah, four shutouts, but not only that, they've scored over 38 points in every game. Michigan-Northwestern, tough trap games. And by the way, I liked Northwestern plus the 14 against Wisconsin that week. So right. all, although I've been on Wisconsin, I saw that as a clear trap game. Right. And so I think... I think Wisconsin really is that good. I'm wondering, you know, is it going to take 
until the 26th of this month when they play Ohio State. Yeah, like so. Here's what I'll say: is that I don't. I'm not saying Wisconsin's not good, but I'm saying to put them on the same level as Alabama or Clemson or now, you know, where we think LSU is. I'm just not quite ready to put them there yet. Now they are, in my opinion, at the very top of the next level below that. They are. They're right there. The best of the rest. They, I'm not even saying they have to beat Ohio State, but they got to show up. Like if they get just rolled by Ohio State, then it's they're then you're right. They're just back to and a lot of this does have to do with yeah, it's Wisconsin. We haven't seen them do that yet against really the top tier of college football. Now look, they've been Michigan, great. baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean look, they're they've been better than Michigan for like the last seven years. It's not it's really not a question. Um, but I just want to see them. And and it's funny I heard on a. On another podcast, uh, pardon my take, and one of the hosts is a big Wisconsin guy, a Big Cat. Shout out to Big Cat. He he said because they're going to most likely get Ohio State twice this year, right? They're going to get them regular season, right, and then right. chances are they'll represent the Big Ten West in the in the Big Ten championship game and play them again. And he said, "I don't even care if you win this game; just go out and get some recon and come with a good game plan for the Big Ten championship game." I think that's a really solid strategy. Not going to lie, it's not that you don't want to try to win, but maybe you just go you know, into the game with a different game plan and just see how Ohio State reacts, whatever. Just get get the recon because you're going, I think it's at Ohio State, and then you have a, a chance at them a second time in the Big Ten Championship but game. here's the thing. It depends on what you're talking about the goal being. If, with, if Wisconsin's goal is to make the playoffs, I think they have to be undefeated. I don't think Wisconsin can lose either game against Ohio State and make it in. Oh, I disagree. If they lose you the first one, you think they lose the first one and beat them the second exactly, time? Exactly, because that's the okay. redemption game. That's what happened to Oklahoma last year. They lost to Texas regular season, then beat them in the Big Twelve Championship game. Because then it kind of negates if, but, that but one what loss. What if you have maybe like a one loss Alabama? Uh, well, well, because do they, Cause they, they maybe play they lose to LSU? LSU. Yeah, yeah. So like, let's say like one loss Alabama. And then they win the SEC. Well, I guess LSU would go play in the championship, right? Yeah. But so the way the way that what you're trying to say is, is that there's a one loss SEC, one loss Alabama ACC. did this the year that Georgia beat them in the SEC championship game, or, or no, the, the year that uh, Alabama lost. Who'd they lose to? But they didn't play in the. In, I think it was uh, Auburn, maybe. But uh, you're right. So what happened is Alabama didn't play in the SEC championship game. They still got in with only one loss. So you're right. I mean, this is a whole other playoff discussion, right? But if Wisconsin were to do that. If they were to lose to Ohio State regular season, then beat them, and then be twelve and one, maybe you have, because then you probably have Clemson in. Yeah, I mean maybe not because it's if, be if it comes down OU. to them or Oklahoma, then they're going to pick Oklahoma, who right. will be undefeated most likely. Right. So, but if Oklahoma has one loss, it's still then one it becomes Oklahoma. Big Ten well, versus Big Twelve, yeah, and if Wisconsin be- beats Ohio State, and it. You know, I don't know, man. That's that will be a tough one. If that does happen, it'll be really interesting to see. You're gonna have a lot of pissed off people. It's just tough for to approach a game saying we don't need to win this. You know? No, you, you're right. And that, I I think I misspoke when I said that. It's not that they don't need to, but it's that if they do lose, then maybe they can come back and they, they have another chance at least at it. And then that helps their chance at making the playoff. But you're right; it will be tough for Wisconsin. I just want to get to the 26th right now. It's a huge game coming up. In a few oh, weeks. I can't wait! See, uh, that's I how I feel about the LSU Alabama game. That's how I feel about a lot of these games. I so, know uh, Notre Dame USC. So this one ended up being close. Notre Dame jumped on them early. They're up 17-3 at half. And then USC, you got to give them credit, man. We keep saying every week this feels like the week Clay Helton's going to get fired. But they keep they're playing tough. And I know they're three and three, but they haven't been blown out in any of their losses. They've all been close. Notre Dame's a really good team, uh, but when, with Georgia losing to South Carolina, th- that almost puts to shame 
any chance that Notre Dame makes the playoff, I think, at yeah, this point. Yeah, I and, think so, Because the only way they were going to make it is if some other losses happen and then Georgia goes undefeated, I think. so. But it was a good game, though, there from, from USC. I, I'm impressed with them. It's going to be tough for a one-loss Notre Dame to do anything in terms of the playoffs this season, I think. Yeah, but they don't th- have a conference championship game. This surprised me. I mean, I, w- I thought Notre Dame was going to rout them. And, and I think this kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, it's easy to overreact with USC and think that they may lay one on the road, but they, they're still fighting. They're still playing for Clay Helton. You know, I think oh, they yeah, like him. Sure. I think in the building they're, they're still playing hard. So it's t- they're, they're a tough read for me. You know, for it's, sure. it's tough to really see USC week to week how good they're going to do. Yeah. Um, Penn State, Iowa. Did you catch this game? I did. Crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I was not impressed with really either team. That's kind of how right. I came away from this. I mean, I I actually expected Penn State had a chance. We both had minor leans on this. I don't think either. Actually, you may have been a little I bit more on Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, I, 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 I had a minor lean, so I wasn't really one way or the other. But I think if anything, Penn State could have come out and, and, and had an offensive showing. They didn't do so. You can maybe credit Iowa's defense, but Iowa needing that backdoor touchdown just to cover the teasers for a lot of people out there. Right. And so, you know, I, I heard a lot today. Hey, if Iowa just gets that two-point conversion, we cover our bet. Iowa needed to score a late second touchdown to even yeah. have that chance. So I think Penn State, looking back, hindsight was probably the play there. Iowa maybe a bit of a letdown at home in that in that big spot. Yeah, I mean, I, this game is just like it's like every game between Iowa and Penn State at Kinnick. It feels like this just this was such this is why I was so high on on Iowa in that game specifically. And it's not even because I think Iowa's that good. I mean, they had just lost to Michigan and looked terrible the week before. But it's that these night games at Kinnick are just so tough. And you have a, a team like Penn State that's averaging 44 points a game or whatever, and they struggled just to get 17 yeah. on the board. Yeah. And the whole game, it was just ugly and sloppy. It's exactly what I expected the game to be. But Penn State, you know, you got to give them credit. They get it done. They cover. And uh, all, honestly, man, if you go into a game at Iowa at night, all you got to do is get a win and get the hell out of there. You're happy with that regardless of the score. Exactly. And, and, and look, I mean, Penn State has a lot more games coming up. It could have been easy for them to – maybe look ahead this time, but no, going in, they got the win. And again, it was, you know, 17-6 in the fourth quarter. I thought that defense, maybe if you're, if you're taking away one thing in that entire game, maybe Penn State's defense, but I don't know how much we expected Iowa to really come out and score. I think, right. I think like you said, this is pretty accurate to, to how we forecasted. So maybe I do want to take back what I, what I led with this game. You know, maybe just because Penn State did have that 17-6 lead going into the end, maybe it wasn't so obviously the right side, because I think if I, we would both agree that before the game, if we were to say I was going to hold Penn State to 17 points, I was probably the play there. Yeah, so, for sure. Interesting game, how it played out. Pretty close to the handicap, and you know, I, I think that is one one of those that if you play it a hundred times, that three and a half is probably pretty accurate. That probably right. splits it right down the middle, 50-50. Yeah, it's almost like when you play like a service academy and option team. It's just like just take your win and don't ask, exactly. don't ask questions. Yep. Just take it. Doesn't yep. matter what the score was. Uh, maybe the most exciting game of the whole weekend uh louisville goes down to the wire against an undefeated wake forest team <laughs> 62 to 59 crazy score yeah man i mean i wasn't too tuned into louisville wake forest but i mean look the no, demon I deacons i mean hey they were they were ranked they were five five and oh yeah and, and they stormed uh, back they outscored them 28 wake forest outscored them 28 17 in the fourth oh that I was know. not enough louisville they're getting the dub uh, Baylor gets the uh, overtime winner against Texas Tech. They and are I, now 6-0. and That was big for one of my handicaps this week because I always like to play situational stuff, and when you're betting games, it's funny. You're not just betting usually one week. You're wanting certain things to fall into place. Right. If they lose, I like their motivation this week or so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. little key, little tip for my upcoming games, 
Baylor at Oklahoma State this weekend. I don't know if I'm going to be on the Bears. I, I need. I, I wanted them, a bet board. Game I wanted here. them to win that game uh-huh. so we could take the. I the smell the a bet board game <laughs> on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, look, Tennessee gets a, a win against Mississippi State. That's good for Tennessee. They get their second one of the season. Mississippi State. That's a bad loss. I know it's at Tennessee. But they only scored ten points against a bad Tennessee team. That's awful. So yeah, I don't got much there. Yeah. Good for those Vols fans that need a win, so if they needed that there. Uh, I don't really have anything else um, for I don't, this week. I don't, I don't have much else either. Tyler. No, I mean, ranked Memphis went down to Temple. You know, not a whole lot there. So, yeah, that's about all I got. Sweet. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports. Once again, show sponsor, Wise Money Sports. We've talked about them a lot uh, in the past, almost every show now, but... What's really cool about them is you can go on, you can look, they have all these different packages for which you can join. Uh, You can just get the picks from all the professional bettors where they put all of their picks in on various sports, soccer, football, hockey, uh, probably some basketball games. Now the basketball is coming around. Still a few baseball games maybe to be had before the end of the season. Uh, So you can get a lot of cool picks there to help out your betting portfolio. Or if you already feel like you're making some money, but you want some advice, you want to maybe sharpen up your your uh, gambling edge there you can actually get a one-on-one uh you can get a one-on-one consultation with what's called a sports betting broker so they can help you out with your picks give you advice so make sure you go online and check them out at wisemoneysports.com and also on twitter at wisemoneysports all right tyler so before we get into our breakdown of the week eight games yes will the midway point so you know, maybe we want to go through and talk about our. We don't really do it week to week what our record was in the previous week, but now we can go through, kind of go over our records against the spread, how we've been doing. Uh, that way, the people can get a better idea how we're doing so far. Let's let the people know. All right, so we broke this into four categories. Uh, we have Will's individual games, and so what that means is, you know, games that I passed, the Will had an opinion on. My individual games, games that I have an opinion on, the Will passed. Uh, games that we both agreed on, and then uh, kind of our bet board game. So for those who don't know, did you post one on Twitter, a, a picture recently of the bet board? Not recently. I don't think yeah. I have since early in the season, but I will again. Now, at the midway point, I'll tweet it out. Give us a follow on Twitter, at CFB Weekly. But in the four categories, we are, and I'll save the best for last, because when we agree, uh, I think we said this last week, I don't love agreeing. I think I, think I kind of like when we both have different opinions on the games, but it's been very profitable when we both agree. So we'll save that for the end. When I have had my individual games and Will has not agreed, I have been 2-4 and four on the season. Not that great. Not that... Uh, you lose! Good day, sir! 2-4 <laughs> and four for me. Will has been 6-8-1, and one, so not too bad. Right yeah. there, floating. Right yeah. around 50. Um, when we agree on games, when we have been on the same side, we are 13-4. and four. Pretty good. Cha-ching. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. 17 games there, 13 wins. So now, that's a pretty good thing. I'm not agree. a math major, but I think that if uh, if you bet money on all those games, you would be a billionaire. Is that right, Tyler? <laughs> yeah. That sounds right to me. Yeah, I'm, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I'm not great with math. That sounds about right to me. $500 million units, maybe. And then uh, the, the, the bet board. Now, this is an interesting one because we've only had four games all season. We start, need to start ramping, I think, the bet board up. 
I'm 4-0 in the bet board, Will. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, well, you know... Sample size? Is that well, where you're going here? Yeah, definitely sample <laughs> size. I definitely see that this as being abnormal and you'll regress back to the mean, which is mm -hmm. me winning. And the other thing is that, look, I really want to boost your confidence here. And I is think, that what it is? I think okay. I just kind of okay. wanted to throw you a couple bones, get you some wins early on. And then what I'm really going to do is I'm going to, you know, I'm, like, I'm a strong finisher. I'm going to come down the, uh, the finish line with the victory by the end of the year, especially when we get into the bowl season. That's where I feel like I'm really going to do my most damage. Ooh, the, the, the bowl season. There's going to be a lot of games during bowl season. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. well I mean, look, it, it's been it's been a good start. We'll see how things go. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit up here. And I, I know if one thing is true, that the sound clips that we can end up getting, we're going to start pulling some sound from the show using different drops from me and Will. I don't want to be too cocky right now because just a couple <laughs> weeks, things can change quickly. But I like where I'm at right now. And... Uh, we tease. We may have a, at least one bet board game this weekend. I think if, we I'm, if I'm assuming one. you're yeah. on the Baylor Bears. Yep, we definitely have at least one, so we'll bum, see. Bum, yeah, bum, all bum, the, bum. the good news is, though, is that if there's games that you and I are both heavy on, we're doing really well there. So let's, yep. let's, let's try to keep that up. Yeah, let's do it. All right, should we get to this week's games? Yep. Boom. All right, first up is a Friday night game. Uh, Ohio State at Northwestern. Right now, Ohio State, 28-point favorites. Over-under here is 49.5. So... Ohio State, they're 4-1 against the spread so far this year. 5-0 on the first half number. North, what You look at Northwestern in this game. Quarterback Hunter Johnson is questionable to play, but it doesn't really matter in my opinion because both Hunter Johnson and his backup, Aiden Smith, have nearly identical stats and they aren't good. So both quarterbacks, they're completing less than 50% of their passes. They Each of them have one touchdown and four interceptions. So that's terrible. Not doesn't bode well for the Northwestern offense. Also, only one win for Northwestern in this matchup since 1971. Wow. That's not good. Uh, but you also look at their schedule. They have very close losses to Stanford, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. I know not uh, Wisconsin being the best one there. The other two are still solid teams, though, better than Northwestern, I would, uh, I would argue. Maybe none of those quite on the level of Ohio State, though. And then when you look at... The last three meetings between these teams, they've all been wins by 21 points or less for Ohio State. So this is one where I look at... Now, Ohio State is coming off a bye, which does bode well for the Buckeyes here. And I think... You know, I don't have to explain to you guys about how great Justin Fields is in the Ohio State offense. That's pretty standard knowledge at this point, right? And so I, what I want... I've been on Ohio State against the spread all year long. Uh, I've been on the first half number, which should be right around 14 or 15 for this game, by the way. And I, everything in my in my heart wants me to take Ohio State here. I want to just ride that wave of them hammering, uh, crushing that spread. And look, it's certainly possible, but Northwestern kind of scares me. We saw them do it against Wisconsin where a much better team, they played a much better team on the road, by the way, and played them very close. Northwestern gets this game at home, and so I'm definitely not – look, Northwestern's not going to upset Ohio State. There's, I, I put that at basically 0% chance. But 28 is a big number for a team like Northwestern that has played a lot of uh, stiffer competition. Very tough. And certainly we could look stupid here and Ohio State could end up blowing them out by 40. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But something tells me this game could be kind of close. They played in the Big Ten Championship game last year and Northwestern lost by, I think, 21 or 24. So once again, that 28 number is big. Ohio State does have a bye. So... 
maybe with the buy, you know, you give the edge for Ryan Day to come out with a really strong game plan. So if I was going to bet it, I'd probably just be on Ohio State first half there. Maybe they're up 17 at half instead of 14 or 15. But I got to be honest, I'm a little scared. I, this could be the game where finally Ohio State's overvalued in the market. You know what the over-under is in this game, Will? 49 and a half. Okay, so they're expecting about 20 points from Northwestern, 20 and a half points. I would go team total under for Northwestern. Okay. I don't know if Ohio State can necessarily cover the 28 points, but I think the one thing this year that's been really undervalued, if anything, for the Buckeyes is that defense. Yeah. And the, the reason they're covering isn't necessarily the offense. It's been next level, but it's because they're not letting teams come back and backdoor them, so on and so forth. Uh, I like Ohio State to stifle that Northwestern offense. I think Ohio State can get around the 21, 28, you know, maybe in the 30s, but that won't matter. My best bet is under team total for Northwestern. It should be about 21, 20 and a half points. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. I, I didn't look at that, but that's a nice bet. So. Okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, next up, Boise State. Minus six and a half at BYU. Over under for this one is fifty. Now this is an eight fifteen p.m. kickoff for uh, for them. So that's getting near my bedtime. Time. Yeah, that's a very late kick. So Boise has won three in a row against BYU. Uh, the Cougars, of course, have played a very tough schedule. The record is just two and four, but they have played tough teams, and especially at home. Uh, or excuse me, they played teams tough, and especially at home. But quarterback Zach Wilson is out with a thumb injury. And I don't know how they're going to be able to manufacture points against Boise's defense here. I should also note, Boise State quarterback Hank Bachmeyer is also injured. He's questionable to play with a hip injury that he suffered last week. But his backup, Chase Cord, has played very well. He's uh, completing close to 60% of his passes. He's got six touchdowns, no interceptions. So the way that I see it here, look, I know BYU's got a very strong, you know, it's a solid defense and they're tough to play at home. But the way I see it is that even if Bachmeyer doesn't play the Broncos still have the advantage at quarterback and if Bachmeyer does play even better so I like Boise State here this is another one of those things I don't know that I have uh, hardcore stats to back it up but I feel like late at night Boise's very good at night games they've been they play a lot of late night games they're good at that Boise a very I think they're undefeated right now aren't they they're ranked uh yes, 17th yes, they or something are. like that yeah, 16 17 um so I like Boise here at six and a half if it gets above six and a half, it gets to that seven number, maybe not so much. But I like them at six and a half, and even still with the chance of Bachmeyer coming back and playing. Yeah, early reports are saying he will be back this game. Oh, and, really? And if okay. that is the case, then I do like uh, uh, Boise as well. I said it early on in the season, BYU, this is a sell year for me. Now, it doesn't mean sell every game. I've actually played on BYU a few times this year, but this is one of the times you want to sell the Cougars. Boise State has not had a problem with BYU the last couple years. And keep in mind, that was with Bronco Mendenhall as the head coach. I think this new head coach at BYU is definitely a downgrade. And this line, to me, takes in all those, those last uh, games with Bronco Mendenhall into account. Um, if you do get Bachmeyer back, I think Boise State definitely finds a way to score. And again, BYU, a bit of a depleted defense this season. I think this is one of those games they kind of get picked on. Uh, the six and a half point spread, I think, is very good. I'll take anything up to seven. Boise State, 15 5 and 1 against the spread. Their last 21 road games. So they're very good going on the road and getting a win. And let's talk about Boise State's defense. This is an underrated defense. We all focus on, always focus on Bachmeyer, the way they can move the football. We understand what they did in Florida State coming back in the second half. I get that. But the total has gone under in eight of Boise State's last nine games. Wow. Average score, 41 points. So, Will, defense has been playing well. As long as they can find a way to get on the score, Board, which, if Bachmeyer plays, that should be the case. Give me Boise State minus six and a half. All right, we're both on Boise. Add that to the list of games that we both like. Love uh, it. Next up, Arizona State going on the road at Utah. 
Utah, 13 and a half point favorite at home. Over-under is 48 and a half here. This one is all about gut feeling for me. Uh, Herm has proven twice. Herm Edwards, coach of Arizona State, he's proven twice already this season he can take his team on the road against teams that have an identity of playing tough and physical and get wins. He did it at Michigan State in Week 2, and he did it at Cal when they were undefeated and ranked. And he's doing it all with a true freshman quarterback in Jaden Daniels, who's quickly becoming one of my favorite players. I love watching him play. He's completing 63% of his passes. He's got eight touchdowns and just one interception for a true freshman. That's really impressive. And look, I've, we've talked about it all season long. I like Utah a lot. But as the season has played out, their resume is starting to look a little suspect. I mean, who's their best win? BY, at BYU week one? They beat Washington State at home, but now Washington State is 3-3 three and three and not really looking like a tough team. Uh, Utah also lost on the road to USC. Now, look, they just hammered Oregon State at home and scored a ton of points. But once again, none of these are really impressive wins to me. Then you look at Arizona State's resume, it's much more impressive. Not to mention, Arizona State has won two straight against Utah, including two years ago in Salt Lake City. All that, and and you're going to give me 13 and a half? I'll take it. Sun Devils will cover here, and they might win outright. I'm riding that Herm Edwards train. For the Devils! (laughs) The Devils! I'm right there with you. I like Arizona State plus the 13 and a half. And I also like the under in this game. I think both defenses show up. I think Arizona go, uh, Arizona State is able to, to frustrate Utah. I don't care whether this game is played in Arizona or Utah. I think this is a really good matchup for Arizona State's defense this season. Uh, keep in mind, Utah, they are 7-0 and straight up their last seven games at home. But in those games, only 3-4 and four against the spread. The average winning margin has been concerning if you're looking to back Arizona State here because a lot of the rhetoric is people going to Utah have a tough time winning. I think a lot of those numbers are baked into this into this line, which makes me feel that much better about taking the Sun Devils. Arizona State 4-1 and one against the spread their last five games on the road, and the total has gone under eight of Utah's last nine games in conference. So Utah, a team that's used to keeping teams down with their defense, Arizona State, very underrated defense this season. I think the, the, the Sun Devils go on the road, very tough defense Defensive uh, 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 kind of conservative type of game. So, with that being said, I think there's a great chance for Arizona State to cover the the 13 and a half points because when points are are expected to be low, the points are at a premium. That's just natural. So, Arizona State keeps it close. They cover the spread, and we hit the under as well. Right now, I have the over under at 50.5. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. I've even seen the over under as low as 48 and a half. So. You know, take take that however you want it, but um, we're both on Arizona State there, so we both feel good about the Sun Devils. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, if you look at yards per play right now, Arizona State five and a half yards per play, Utah six point nine yards per play. Utah has a bit of an edge there, but still not great st- for, for yards per play. I think right. both defense has the advantage here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Arizona State they haven't been an offensive team. I think they're they're not scoring that many points, but it doesn't matter because their defense is keeping them in it, and they play these kind of slow, physical, tough games and. With the way Herm Edwards has coached up this Jaden Daniels, he's been really uh, good at protecting the football. The games have been close, and they always have a chance there late. So when you're talking about a 13.5-point spread, I just think you know it's hard to take Utah here. Yeah, I agree. It's tough. All right, next up, Oregon. Minus three going on the road to Washington. Now, I don't have a lot on this game, but I will say the Oregon defense has been super impressive. Washington has kind of been an up-and-down team, and I know this is a – very tough place to play. Washington, traditionally a very good team at home. I don't think they've lost Oregon at home now in about five years. Uh, so three points. Look, you know, we mentioned it earlier. We talked a little bit 
about it earlier. I don't really love the Oregon offense very much. Uh, Justin Herbert, I know he's got all the quarterback measurables the NFL guy, NFL teams want, but I don't put a lot of faith in him being the guy that can go down and win you the game uh, when it's close and late. But this Oregon defense is so underrated. They're very physical. They've been, uh, you know, they haven't given up a ton of points. And when you're talking about Jacob Eason, even though he's had he's had some good moments, he's had some bad games. Washington now with a couple bad losses on their record. They lost to Cal and they lost again to who did they lose to the uh, last week? Can you look that up for me? Oregon? Uh, no, Washington. Oh yeah, it, it was uh, Stanford. That's right, Stanford. Yeah. I mean, Stanford a terrible team that was losing to everybody, and Oregon or Washington loses to them. So it's tricky because when Washington gets home after a loss, I could kind of see them maybe blowing out Oregon here. I could also see Oregon blowing out Washington. So I don't love this game either way. What I will say is the over-under is 50.5. I tend to lean under there. Uh, I, I think this game could be low scoring. I think that Oregon's defense is really good and Washington at home is you know, just a hard team to score on. So if I was going to lean, I really don't like this game. If I was going to lean one way or the other, I'd probably go under the spread of 50.5. It's still minus three. Yeah. This is a Oregon weird line. Right? It's kind of reeky, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I see lines like this and I just don't understand it. I mean, yeah. Oregon, honestly, if you were asking to make a, a spread before the game, I would have said Oregon's like a you know, like a touchdown favorite, but they're on the road. Yeah. But still, Washington's looked so bad, and that's why this kind of scares me, is because I think it any game that seems obvious, I don't like it, because yeah. it seems obvious right now, how can you not take Oregon minus the three? They're going to kill Washington, and they probably will. I have no reason to think that Washington's all of a sudden be... This is the thing. Is we, we often talk about teams like Florida last week who have the players to take that next level. USC, we've talked about that before. I don't know if Washington can do that. I don't know if Washington can just snap their fingers and play football at the next level. I think they've been playing their hardest all year long, and I can also assume that because Chris Peterson is that kind of coach where you don't really take weeks off. So it's not like, well, Washington, they're really going to... I don't think motivate... I guess what I'm saying is I don't think motivation matters as much for Washington as it does for many other college football teams. Right. I think they're pumped up for every game. I think we get the max effort every game. So I would certainly lean Oregon, but I just don't... It's a tricky line. It is a very strange line, and for things like this, I just you don't have to play it. That's yep. the beauty is if you're talking about sports betting... That's that's the one advantage that we have over the the casinos is, is, or the house and the market. You don't have to play every game. Right. They have to put a line out for every game. So this is a pass for me. Yeah, I agree. All right, next up, you just talked about Florida. Florida, they go on the road to South Carolina. We mentioned they just got a big win on the road against Georgia. Now they go home. They get the Gators. Gators, six, six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road here. This game is all about perception. So last week, the Gamecocks, they beat Georgia on the road. Florida got beat at LSU, so naturally, I think a lot of people will say South Carolina's got a chance here. But despite, you know, you know what I say to those people, Will? You just don't get it, do you? You don't. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I mean, look, despite everything I've said about Florida in the past few weeks, I was impressed with how they looked against LSU, and their quest for the SEC championship game is still there. Look, uh, LSU is in the SEC West. If they want to win the SEC East, they got to start with these games against South Carolina. they got to beat Georgia, so on and so forth. And I think Kyle Trask is better than Felipe Franks was. I think he's a, a really good quarterback for them. Dan Mullen has done a good job with him. He looks pretty good against LSU. And South Carolina, they needed a lot of things to go their way to get that win against Georgia. They needed to miss field goals. They got kind of a, uh, a pick six. Uh, and Georgia just wasn't putting up points on offense. I expect Florida to be able to score a lot easier on South Carolina than 
what we saw last week out of Georgia. And you look that win against Georgia. I just think that's more of an anomaly than an indication that the Gamecocks are figuring things out. Now, the last six matchups between these teams has been decided by one score or less, so take that with a grain of salt. Even still, I think Florida gets the bounce-back win here. South Carolina comes crashing back to reality. I think Florida rolls here. I like them by more than a touchdown. Take the Gators. Yeah, it's a a sharp handicap. I think most people are going to say, well, South Carolina just beat Georgia. As I said earlier, I think that game was all about Georgia underperforming. And and Florida, I mean, they they just lost that tough game to LSU. Again, that game was all about LSU. Florida's a very good football team, and I think they make a statement on the road at South Carolina. I like this 6.5 a a lot. Uh, I like Florida as well. Sweet. Once again, uh, Maybe now is the time to uh, jump on the games where Tom and I seem to agree. We seem to be doing pretty hard. I know, right? Yeah. 13-4, and four, just to get that out there again. May as well let him know while we're, yep. uh, while we're doing well there. So, Well, not to say I think we're going to do poorly. Let's, let's keep that going, man. Yeah. Get a couple wins this week. So. I agree. Next up, I think this one is uh, going to be on the bet board. So, we Baylor. going to get a board. Baylor goes on the road. Bet. What? Would you like to bet on it? <laughs> Baylor on the road at Oklahoma State. This number right now is about uh, three, three and a half points for Oklahoma State. And I really think what this comes down to is how much does the bye week help Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State coming off a bye. Baylor, of course, played last week uh, Texas Tech uh, at home. They get, it went to overtime. Look, I don't think Oklahoma State has been very impressive. Their best win is beating Kansas State, maybe. They've got losses to Texas and to Texas Tech. And in both those games, they gave up an average of 40 points. So I think their defense is really bad. And then you look at Baylor, on the other hand. They've got better wins. They beat Iowa State. They beat Kansas State on the road. They also beat Texas Tech, a similar opponent there. I think their defense is much better. And they've won five of the last seven against Oklahoma State. I think Baylor will come out with a defensive game plan where they will try to take Chua Hubbard out of the game. They're going to double-team Talon Wallace. And then say, hey, Spencer Sanders, come and beat me. And look, he's got some solid passing numbers. That's the quarterback for Oklahoma State, by the way, Spencer Sanders. He's got some solid passing numbers, but he also has eight interceptions to go with the 10 touchdowns. He, I don't, I just don't trust him enough. I know it's the square pick. This is why Tyler's all over uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State here. I know it's the square pick to go with Baylor, who's undefeated and is finally getting hype. But I just think that they can win this game outright, and if you give me three or three and a half, I'll take it all day long. All right, so I am going to go the pokes here. I start comparing what these teams have done this season, and you just mentioned the schedule, and it's funny. I think that a theme that that I notice with you is you look really deeply at the schedules, but you can't often tell, and we talked about this last week, in college football, it's so tough. Most of these teams only have like three or four games a year where you can really tell how good they are. Right. And I think it's easy to over to react to losses. Look, Texas Tech is not a very good team this year, and they beat Oklahoma State by 10 points their last time out, but I think that is sticking in the minds of people when it shouldn't be. The key is not Oklahoma State's defense this game, because what Oklahoma State does... Excuse me, what Baylor does, Oklahoma State can stop very well. Now, a lot of people could say that's the case with Texas Tech. Texas Tech is running a bit of a different offense this season. Baylor is running that true spread them out, air raid type of offense that Mike Gundy does very well against. I know that Baylor has the history against Oklahoma State, but Baylor, last couple years, that's against the spread, right? Or is that is that straight up? 
five out of the last seven straight up in okay. favor of Baylor. And I also have the uh, against the spread numbers here, too. They're doing pretty well there. Maybe that's factored into this line. I'm not so sure. A lot of times they do look at the past, so that may be factored in a little bit, Will. I'm not so sure there. I think Baylor goes on the road and gets beat. I like Oklahoma State to come back. And, well, after, it, it's tough after the Texas Tech game. If a few things go right in the Big 12, I think they are right now probably the third best team behind Oklahoma and Texas. So I think Oklahoma State makes a point this weekend. It's a stylistic mismatch, I think, in the favor of Mike Gundy. We could get a bit of a scoring uh, uh, a shootout here, right? I'm not saying Oklahoma State's going to come out and stifle this Baylor defense, but through the course of 60 minutes, I will take Oklahoma State. What is it, three-point spread here? Yeah, three, three and a half. And, uh, and that number might be on the move, too. So. And, and I mentioned that I go through and look at some of their stats this season. Oklahoma State outscoring Baylor 39 and a half points a game to 37. The only thing Oklahoma State's not doing as well as Baylor this, this year is passing yards. And I think that Oklahoma State's gotten... You mentioned the eight uh, interceptions Spencer Sanders has thrown. Seven of those have been in opponent territory. So it's not like they're giving the other ball, uh, the, the, the other team, the ball it, with bad field position. They're putting their defense still in semi-good situations. And I love the yards per play for Oklahoma Oklahoma State this year. They're really getting chunk yardage when they do game plays. And I think that Baylor, you mentioned the games they played this season. This is where they get exposed defensively and also a, a, a tough game on the road. Oklahoma State traditionally a lot better at home. So I'll take Oklahoma State to cover the three points. Let's get it on the bet board, Will. On the bet board. Um, yeah, look, I I just like what Matt Rule has got going on at Baylor. I think he's brought life to that program. Those kids, are they feel confident right now. Uh, I mean, look, the win against Iowa State was big for them. Also, so the over-under here is 66. How do you feel about that? Would you lean over there? N- uh, uh, no, I wouldn't because I, it's tough for me to get a good flow for this game. I mean, I could see – honestly, I know how we just got done kind of shitting on both defenses – I could really see like a 7-7 game at the end of the first, a 13-10 right. game Slow at halftime. start game. Exactly, and then we get some scoring in the second half. And I think that no matter what, the the flow of the game, I still kind of like the Cowboys. So if it's a shootout, I like you know the Cowboys to, to keep up with the scoring. If it's a low-scoring game, I still like them. So I'm going to stay away from the over-under because I can't get a good read for the flow of this game. Um, yeah, it's just funny because last year it felt like you could bet the over in any Big 12 game and it would hit. And then this year, it seems like a lot of them have been going under. So um. I, do, I do have a straight-up stat. We mentioned that Baylor has had some pretty good success straight-up against Oklahoma State. Baylor's 1-11 straight-up their last 12 games when they go to Oklahoma State. Oh, wow. So when they played at Boom Pickens Stadium, 1-11 straight-up their last 12. Okay, but I think they did win the last time they were there, didn't they? Or maybe it was two before that? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I just one, have one the stat. The, that one win was recent. That's what I know. Might not have been the last time it was before that. And... Will's point there, sometimes when you're evaluating data, you have to decide, do you weigh the most recent things, right? Because if they're 1-11 and their only win was 12 games ago, that's different than it being their last game. So that, that's a valid point. There. Right. All right, next All right. up, uh, last but not least, my Michigan Wolverines go uh, on the road Will. at Penn State. It, this is a night game. It is a whiteout game, uh, which spells trouble for Michigan, if you ask me. So Penn State, nine-point favorite here. That's a big no- That's a big number. Look, <laughs> I feel like I've been negative about Michigan all year, and for good reason. They they haven't been good against the spread. They were up early. They were up like 28-7 on Illinois early last week and then let Illinois back. All of a sudden, I, I was at the Oklahoma-Texas game. I get a text. I couldn't. Uh, I had no service. <laughs> I couldn't see the score, so I'm yeah. texting a buddy of mine who's a Michigan fan. I'm like, what's the score? It was 28-7. Now, all of a sudden, it's 28-25. And I'm going, oh, my God, are they going to lose <laughs> on the road at Illinois, a terrible team? Yeah. They ended up pulling it out. They ended up scoring 
a couple more touchdowns there. They won 42-25. But still, that doesn't bode well when you're letting Illinois back in the game. And now you got to go on the road to Penn State, who's one of the best teams in the country right now. They're undefeated. Their defense is incredible. And then you look at the previous, the recent history between these teams. So Michigan State, or Michigan State, Michigan last year blows out Penn State at home. Uh, the year before that, Penn State blows out Michigan at, uh, when they're at home. The year before that, Michigan blows out Penn State at home. Are you seeing a trend here? I am. It's that the home team is pissed off about the previous year. They get revenge and they blow them out. I think you could very well see something like that. Penn State's uh, stud defensive end pass rusher, Yetter Gross Matos, he is questionable. Uh, 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 what? Hmm? His name is uh, Yetter Gross Matos. Of course I, it is. I believe he's Greek. I could be wrong about that. But uh, he's questionable. He's a, he's a really good player. But then you look at the injury report for Michigan on the other side. All three of their top tight ends are questionable. Zach Charbonnet, their true freshman uh, running back who's been – Pretty pretty solid. He's probable, but not 100%. What is his name? Zach Charbonnet? Zach Charbonnet. Dude, these names recently. I'm, I'm loving these names. I know, yeah. You know what I like with a You're nice... You're going to like uh, this next one. You know what I like with a nice uh, sirloin steak Some sometimes? Charbonnet. Nice glass of Charbonnet. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan's best pass rusher, Quiddy Pay. Another good name. Hey-o. He's questionable. <laughs> now, look, the Michigan defense has looked a lot better over the last few weeks. They did give up some points there to Illinois, but I think that was mostly based off of turnovers and... The Michigan team continues to fumble the ball. They had two big fumbles against Illinois. It's like they give up two fumbles every game. And if you're going to tell me that they're going to fumble twice at, at Penn State, there's no chance they're winning that game. The nine number is big when you consider that Michigan does have a lot of talent. But this offense just still feels a little rusty. They don't have a lot of rhythm. Uh, Shea Patterson, man, he's just like a cock tease. He shows you all this. <laughs> he shows you all this great stuff. He shows you flashes of what he could be. And then the next play, he looks... Uh, a little skittish there in the pocket. He's t- turning the ball over. He's fumbling, throwing interceptions. So I just don't feel great about this. I'd love to tell you a different. I'd love to say that Michigan can go in and get the win here. I don't see it. As far as the nine-point spread goes, look, that, that does feel like a big number, but what I come back to is that the last three years, the home team has blown the other team out. I think Penn State wants revenge, and I think they'll get it here. I think that there's a very good chance they keep Michigan below 14 points, and I think Penn State could score 40 here if they play it right. But it's not just that they, they, these teams take turns blowing each other out. It's that, to me, Michigan the last couple of years has had an elite defense, and they don't have that this year. Yeah. So if anything, the one missing ingredient in that is Michigan's defense. I think right. Penn State routes in this game. I think they take this as an opportunity, primetime stage against a Michigan team. And we've debated this all season long, right? What does the brand mean? Even if a team's not as good as they usually are, what does the brand mean? I think Penn State is looking at this as a real opportunity, primetime TV, to tell the world how good they are. No one's talking about Penn State right now at all. For any postseason, anything, this is their chance to prove everybody wrong, go get a huge win. I think Penn State blows them out this game. I think you could be right. And look, I've never been a huge fan of James Franklin, especially his his in-game decisions. So it tells you a lot when I think that, you know, his team's got a chance to really blow out. That, that tells you how I feel about Michigan. These fumbles, though, I don't know if that's that's going to keep up. I mean, yeah, doesn't they've been have to so stop for like, at some point? Yeah, that's what Michigan fans have been saying for the last, like, four weeks. It's like, well, <laughs> we have to regress back to the mean, and yet yes. they just keep doing it. They keep it. It comes from the quarterback. It comes from the running backs. The running backs are taking turns fumbling the ball. And it, you know that that's an emphasis in practice. It's not like these coaches are going, whatever, it's fine. They've said it. Like every they do, uh, they do. What is it called? They do uh, ball wet ball balls, drill. ball security drills every single day. And and from everything I've heard from the coaches, that 
they're not fumbling in practice. They just get to games and they're coughing it up. And so I don't know when it's going to stop. What I do know is that if Michigan has any chance to cover or win here, they can't turn the ball over. And Because I expect Penn State to be able to score here. So I don't know. It does. I do think that Michigan will look at what Iowa did defensively to kind of slow them down, and maybe that will give them a little bit of benefit there. Michigan's secondary is very good, so I think Sean Clifford – it won't be easy for him to just light them up, but what I'm worried about is the run game. I think there's a very good chance that you could see Ricky Slade and a few. It's kind of a running back by committee there at Penn State. I think you could see those guys get a ton of yardage. A lot of people don't understand how truly important and crucial turnovers are. Right? Did you know that in football, and this is a rough number across the NFL and college football, did you know that in college or <laughs> now in football, Okay. If you win the turnover battle, you win against the spread. You cover the spread about 70% of the time. Yeah. Turnovers are essentially probably the most important stat right. in football. But also when you start looking at data, and I know this is a weird concept, turnovers are largely luck, right? And what that means is is year by year, you look at teams in the NFL, college football, and there's almost zero predictive value to turnovers. Right. You know what I mean? The, the Patriots this not predictive year, value, but predictive outcome, right? It's that it's well, that predictive v- value and because there's always being, there's always value in getting enforcing turnovers. Well, but, but I mean, predictive value be just the, the, the term right. predictive value because what, what you want to do in betting is, and that's something that you boil down a lot of bets to, is a PV, a predictive value. How much? Ca- what is the value on the team? And it's it's essentially kind it's of like, like a, a projection. Volatil- volatility type yeah, of thing. Sure. How, how how much will they land inside this this same number? And um. So, so when, when you're talking about the distribution of points and things like that, it all really comes down to turnovers. And what you find year after year is that when you look for how do we predict turnovers, how do we predict interceptions, fumbles, it's almost it's, it's pretty random. And this is strictly statistically speaking. You put right. in these numbers and you find there's almost zero, again, you know, kind of value to predict when there's going to be turnovers, how many there's going to be. So I think there is something to this whole, it's going to regress back to the mean. But then again, I mean... This is a, d- a debate. This isn't true one way or the other. I'm not saying this is it because the great debate is it's not really a debate whether are they luck or not. It's how much luck are they, right? Is it is it 50% luck? Is it 75% luck? Is it 25% luck? And so now at this point in the season, you start to think, is it in these players' heads? Do you get more of a propensity for a problem right. because they're stressing it? So uh, it is a debate, but it's just funny that when you do plug the numbers in, it's so tough to predict game by game, week by week, the turnovers. Right. But those who do win the turnover battle cover 70% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, you're right. It's Michigan's bound to have a game where they don't turn the ball over and they hold on to it. But at this point, it's like you can't <laughs> – I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't say, yeah, no, this is the game where Michigan's going to figure it out. They've done it – I mean, they've done it against good teams. They've done it against bad teams. They struggled to hold the, hold the ball against Army, Middle Tennessee State, all almost every single game. So I just don't like Michigan here. We're both on the same side here. So pick Penn State. There you go. All right. That's all we got. All right, Willie. Another show in the books. Thanks for listening once again, guys. If you want to help the show, subscribe, rate, review. Do whatever you can to help it. Tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter at CFB Weekly, and we'll see you next week.